Welcome to the Classical Happy Hour. I'm your host, Martin Davids. This is the show where my guests and I talk about music while enjoying a tasty beverage. But sometimes we try to play music together after. <laughs> Today's guest is Nell Snydus. I know. <laughs> oh, but I haven't even had anything to drink yet. I'm Hi, Martin. Martin David. It's awesome to have you on the show. So, um... Tell me a little bit about what you're doing for work these days. Well, we are here together in Denver, Tinkle Tinkle, where we are putting on La Purpura de la Rosa, which is the first opera ever to be performed in the Americas. It was first performed in 1701 in Peru. And uh, Frank Nowell, who's the director of, the artistic director of Baroque Chamber Orchestra of Colorado, approached me about three years ago he knew that I had directed a few productions of this opera and he was really keen on doing it here in Denver so now here we are finally doing it and Marty is playing first violin in the orchestra like a like a god just beautifully Um, and there are lots of goddesses on the stage Esteli Gomez, who is Venus, and she sings just so beautifully, and she happens to have jumped in on um, maybe six days' notice as uh, Guadalupe Peraza, unfortunately, got COVID, and also Aramora got COVID the next day, so we had another one jumping in on uh, four days' notice, and, he, and Jennifer Ellis Campani is the god Adonis, and she's just tremendous, and... Uh, it's actually turning out to be a glorious production, I think, in spite of all of the uh, mishaps, health mishaps. Um, but yeah, this is a little bit of a turn in a different direction for me, starting to stage direct more, and uh, it's been a really fun time doing that here. And I happen to also have just conducted my first opera last night. It was great, yeah. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, like for people that listen to the show but might not know, you, you're you mostly a singer, right? Yes, mostly a singer. Uh, and I've been specializing in this repertoire actually for quite some time, this Latin American uh, Baroque repertoire. And uh, that has a very specific language, as has Jenny. Uh, Jenny and I have sung together for at least a decade uh, uh especially in this repertoire with the group El Mundo. And uh, it's got a pretty specific, as I said, language, so it's fun to have people who really know how those things go. And we have some locals here who are getting to hear Jenny sing and Esteli sing, and they're picking up the style really quickly. So, obviously, you went to university and stuff for, for singing. How did you end up, uh, you know, in early music, and let alone, like, New World kind of specializing I went to a music conservatory at, in New York uh, at the Manus College of Music, and at that time, there was a man named Paul Eccles who was uh, just a, a wizard of early music. You know, he's both a, a music director and a stage director, and he was still really one of the best directors I've ever worked with in my life. He also happened to have trained Grant Harrod, Tom Zajac, Paul Shipper. Dan Swinberg, Jolie Greenleaf, a, lot, a whole era of New York musicians who are uh, early musicians. So I was really lucky I went to that school and got to um, 
be exposed to it. And also at that time, uh, my father's from Uruguay, from Montevideo. And when I was at Manus, there was a very famous diction coach who sang all the Compromario roles at the Met. And uh, one day in our diction class, he said, okay, anybody here who has any Latin American heritage or speaks Spanish, raise your hand. And, you know, like maybe five of us raised our hand. And he brought us up to the front of the room and interviewed us privately to make sure that we weren't just faking it, you know. And then we all were sent to audition for this Sarsuela company in New York City. And it was at the time, uh, it was called Repertorio Español, and they did Sarsuelas in repertoire. So that means a repertory theater is like, Monday night is, you know, Casa de Bernarda Alba, and Tuesday night is La Corte de Faraón. So you have all of these different shows going at the same time. And uh, I, I began to sing with them and sang with them for, for quite some time. But that was one of the things that, you know, turned me on to classical Latin American music. And then this guy, Nico Castell, also gave us a class in uh, Ladino song and in kind of Spanish repertoire in general and I realized oh wow this is actually my music you know I was singing you know Norina and Adina and all that stuff and and I liked it well enough but my soul wasn't like vibing with it and when I heard this music it was like oh oh my god this is you know I grew up listening to tango and Cuban music uh, popular stuff I didn't realize that there was a a way you could kind of have a hybrid hybridization of classical and and Spanish. Um, so that's kind of how I how I got started in in all of that. So did you always want to be a singer when you're growing up? Yeah, I think I did. I remember when I was little, you know. You know, when you're little, everybody's always asking you what you want to be when you grow up, and you have to come up with something, you know. And I remember every kid would say, I'm going to be an actress, and I'm going to be a singer. And I thought, I'm actually going to do that, so I'm not going to say that, because all these people are saying this, and it's not going to happen, you know. So I, would, I was like, I'm going to be in the roller derby. <laughs> <laughs> that was my main answer. Really? Roller years. derby? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I know. Have you ever done it? No. Then I, I, That was before I learned how to roller skate. <laughs> Once I figured that out, I was like, ow. Me. Especially ramming into people. And oh, I, 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 just, I think, you know, you saw it on TV and it looks kind of fun. Uh, and then I realized how the pain that was involved, the physical pain. Yeah, it's always pretty big people. Yeah, I, you know, well, I, I, that was my answer when other people were saying I'm going to be a singer and I knew they weren't going to. I was like, well, then I'm going to be in the roller derby. Yeah, that's it. So, but as a kid, what kind of music did you imagine singing? I didn't know. I was just like, I liked to sing. I was always singing. And then I saw, I think one of my mother's uh, best friend's daughters was giving voice lessons. And she said, do you want to take lessons? And I said, sure. And I went in and she showed me one of these, uh, one of the 24 Italian arias. And, uh, and she warmed me up and I discovered what a soprano voice was and that I had this really high voice and it felt so just otherworldly to use it and I came home that day from my first voice lesson and I said do people do this for a living can you do this you know like the singing in Italian and oh the sounds of the language and the kind of transporting you to a different world and a different time it just 
I said, Mom, do people do this? And she said, oh, yes, they do. And, and it was like, well, that's what I'm doing. And that was kind of it. I think I was 13. Sweet. So you just never looked back? I didn't. I didn't. And now I'm like, <laughs> really? Was I? No. <laughs> yeah, that was how it worked out. So originally it was just like exploring what your voice could do that attracted you. And then was there later like specific kinds of music that you were like, oh, yeah. Well, it was the combination of the language and and what the voice could do. But the when I when I heard Italian and I could sing in Italian, that was. I don't know that that really led me in and I'm I've always been really deeply interested in culture and, and language and somehow it felt like you could time travel and and travel to different countries and cultures through the music and that was was a combination of music and and just expression and and the different tastes of the different languages um, and I I think I also another another I guess musical piece that drew me in my dad had this recording of Anna Mofo I don't know if you know this singer she was um, a singer in the 50s and 60s and she was from Philadelphia beautiful musician she just to me is still the greatest singer I've ever heard in my life and she sang everything and she had a kind of a short career I think because she sang like Carmen and you know uh, Costanza you know like she just was she just did everything because she wanted to and there was this recording of her singing Et Incarnatus Est from C minor Mass. It's just this beautiful, like these high, long, sustained, like this ecstasy piece. And I used to sing it with her on the on the record player. And um, yeah, that that was like heaven for me. Mozart. So, you know, what do you love about being a musician? Um I love when you get into the room with the other musicians, you know, and different things start getting pulled out of different people, and you see, I don't know, I've been thinking a lot about uh, how a really great musician is kind of like a superhero, you know, like, like for example, we, we, there was this, there's this really simple melody piece in uh, Purpura de la Rosa that I put in from the Trujillo uh, Codex. And uh, and I gave it to Marty to play in this. Uh, there's a very there's a you know it's after Adonis dies and I, I I you know put in a little sad business you know as a director, <laughs> but I I put in this simple piece that if you just look at it on the paper it's like da dee 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 da dum 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 da dee 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 da dum 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 basically, and Marty played it. You played it the first time and it was like yeah okay great. And then, then we talked about where, what it meant in that that spot, and I sang two bars of it, and then Marty played it, and like, oh, I swear, everybody came up to me after that was during the dress, and I was like, what? I could barely keep my shit together because we were all starting to cry because Marty played it so beautifully, and I love that about being a musician because you see people who are just, you see them ingest music and then turn it into magic. Yeah. yeah, I love seeing people that you just know they're meant to be doing music and they inspire you and make you want to be better and Exactly. and make you want to make other people feel the way they made you feel. 
or at least make him feel something. Yeah, ex- yes, precisely. Yes, precisely. So do you play any instruments? I um, I play a little bit of Renaissance guitar, which is basically a ukulele, <laughs> but it's the great-great-grandmother of the ukulele where they, they um, the Portuguese brought the Renaissance guitar to Hawaii and then it kind of morphed into the the ukulele instrument but it's the a four course you know my dog has please kind of um, rhythm guitar instrument and uh, I played kind of folk guitar when I was a kid and I was on some gig with Paul Shipper and Grant and Tom Zajac and and they had one and and they just put it in my hand they were like you played guitar as a kid right yeah here go just play the shape of a G now play the shape of a D there you go now just play those two chords while we do X and Y and suddenly I was playing I was like that's it so I got one, and, and I started playing it, and, and it's so fun. It's really fun. That's awesome. So do you, like, play piano, too? Or? I, I play the piano like a guitar player. So it's just kind of like I look and see what the chords are, and I play the chords in whatever inversion I can get my hands on the keyboard in, you know, but I don't have no technique for melody and stuff. Yeah, I was the worst. On my, uh, you know, proficiency exams, I had to memorize everything so I could look at my fingers. Yes, of course. <laughs> Finger three, tuck. <laughs> so, you doing any teaching? Yeah, I did. I just started teaching right after the pandemic. I've been teaching at Fordham University. I've been teaching voice there, both at the Rose Hill campus, which is this like unbelievable, just beautiful campus in the middle of the Bronx where apparently they do a lot of uh, filming because it's just like... Adela College campus, you know, and then they have another uh, campus at Lincoln Center. So I've been, I've been doing some voice teaching. Cool. <laughs> this is a prerequisite. This sound right here. It's the best thing on this podcast. I wish I had the talent, you know, the, to make the. You just have to get it wet, I think. Um. So. Do you have any advice for like young singers? Yes. I would say, you know, of course, really work on getting your voice together. And the first thing I would say is if you're with a teacher that you feel you're not progressing with, get out and find somebody that you do progress with. You know, that doesn't mean if somebody, if, if they're giving you work to do, and you feel like you're making progress, but it's hard, I would say stay with it. But if they're telling you to do stuff that you can tell is counter to the way your voice works, get out and find a different teacher because you know, you, it's just waste of time and nobody has time to waste you know, when you're trying to get better. And then the other thing I would say would be, like the f- question you asked me, which was what, what music really do you vibe with at that that's so important to know what you love and um, and really pursue that and and try to put your own things together and make your own opportunities. Um, you'll never be sorry to get your own thing going. I think you know you learn so much. You learn how hard people work when they do lead. Then you're you know have a little more patience with people who are in charge. I think that's very important. You know, um, so yeah, I would say all, all of those things. Yeah, it's easy to complain about conditions or oh my God. anything, but 
it takes such a force of will just to make a concert happen. Yeah, and once you lead your first concert, you're just so grateful when you're not the one having to do it. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> thank you for making, for figuring this all out. Yeah, sometimes I like to just hide out in the second violin to- and take it easy. That's a vacation, <laughs> Yeah. right? <laughs> so uh, what's coming up for you? Anything uh, interesting down the road? Actually, in like I think it's about ten days or so, Jenny, Ellis, and and I are going to be singing together at Carnegie Hall with El Mundo. We're pretty excited about it. We're doing the repertoire from. Our <laughs> it's a professional podcast, it's people. Very professional. <laughs> yeah, we're doing our our. Um, Maybe maybe nobody hears all of that <laughs> outside noise. Anyway, it's the the repertoire from the Guatemala Cathedral. We uh, put out a CD of that repertoire maybe a maybe a year or two ago with El Mundo. So we're doing that at Carnegie on February the eighth. Come on, come all. That sounds exciting. It'll be fun, I think. It's nice. So, like, who finds this music? There is a lot of it that's uh, has been found. There was a really. Uh, an important person in, in the States who's done a lot of uh, research is Robert Stevenson, uh, who's deceased, but he's got just a, a, has a ton of repertoire that he has um, made editions of. And then there's a guy named Alfred Lemon who had made a lot of editions of the Guatemalan repertoire. And there are music called Drew Davies is doing excellent work bringing things from, from Mexico, I think, primarily. And, uh, is he at Northwestern? So. Somewhere in yeah, one of the I think Northwestern. I think you're right. And uh, uh, Omar Abril, who's down in I think Guatemala, is doing a lot of work there in the Guatemala Cathedral. So there are people doing doing the research now. Um, and someone in Texas, uh, and Aurelio Tello Tello forgive me. Uh, um, it's the scotch. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of people who are who are uh, musicologists who who do the research and they go into the cathedrals and they look at the archives and then they you know they take the manuscripts and turn them into modern noca- notation. So is it mostly like church music that they find or is there it's dances and stuff too? There's a lot of church music, a lot of it because it's housed in the cathedrals. So most of it is uh primarily sacred but there's uh, I would say yes that I know of so you know in a lot of like German and Italian music you find like these chacones sneaking into the choruses and yeah and stuff is it the same kind of thing where the popular form dance forms like would sneak into the church music definitely definitely and, and it was you know especially in Latin America um the Jesuits got down there and discovered how incredibly musical um, the people who, you know, the indigenous were, and they took advan- full advantage of, you know, they just would, you'd hand them a violin, and the next thing you know, they'd be playing, that there was a real, especially in, you know, Bolivia and all the, in the Chiquitos missions. Um, so it was like, you know, Vatican II, <laughs> you know, when you you go into the vernacular and you bring the guitars into the mass or whatever. It's that kind of a thing where they would bring in um, fun music to evangelize. Like that hakara that we did today, you and I re- rehearsed uh, this hakara that I'm singing on a concert we're doing together, 
oigan una jacaria and it's very you know frang, you know very fun and dancey and it's about you know the virgin mary and her mother yeah it's almost like they imposed a spiritual lyrics on it because they had to or they felt they had to yeah and that you know that piece might not have been in that you know there were music there was music that was done in the churches and then there were musics that were done musics and there were music there were musics there was music um that were done in the plazas and stuff but that were also uh religious so maybe that might not have been done inside so do you notice like any i don't know regional differences between like bolivia and say mexico or well a lot of the guys moved around too you know a lot of the the um uh maestros de capilla would move from one place to another and and in general they're training people to do uh, there's a spanish style and then there there is whatever the indigenous style is there but mostly i haven't but i'm not a musicologist i don't have that kind of a depth of experience to know what what is found there but from what I've sung which is a fair amount I uh, you know there are there are masses and then there I, I've there are masses and those kind of things can sound like in general like Monteverdi or or then like higher Baroque but I haven't noticed like oh I know I know that's from Bolivia except that I know that it's from Bolivia because I know the manuscripts you know Okay. Yeah, I mean, you, in Europe, you can pretty much tell French music from, you know, at- Italian. Yeah, that's for sure. and you've got a different, yeah. I, but this is all in Spanish or Latin, so it's not even like you have, like, of course, you know. You know, that's not. Yeah. So, like, were all the colonies that we got music from from Spain or that I've done cool alright um is there anything you want to ask me <laughs> <laughs> wow um no one's ever ready for that question that's yeah you're just like it's like beep don't don't yeah. What is your favorite? No. Um. What is your favorite beverage, Martin? Definitely the Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. I like Manhattans. What the, do you? What's the? What's the? The brown liquor. You know, I like bourbon, but I married a Canadian, so they're pretty good with Crown Royal too. Gotta say, what's Crown the- Royal. If you hear this, I need a sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> he shuns bourbon. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely a proud American, though. I like my bourbon. So I'm not going to call out any brands until they sponsor me. Okay. Brands? <laughs> this could be yours. Anything else you want to know? I'm, a, I'm very satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we're going to wrap it up here. Um, you can catch me and Nell if you're in Denver uh, playing an opera tomorrow night. What's that? Tomorrow at 3 o'clock at St. Cajetan's. So that would be the 29th of January. Hopefully I'll get this posted by then. And uh, you 
you catch Nell at Carnegie Hall. What's the date? Do you know? February the eighth. February eighth, Carnegie Hall. It's gonna be great if you're in New York. Go see her. And thanks for listening. Uh, please subscribe and give us a great rating on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you can rate it. Five stars, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And I know you want to keep buying my CD, Baroque and Alone, and uh, my arrangements at bachfor2.com. Uh, looking forward to my next guest, and we will uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Marty. Thanks, Snow. <laughs>